Hello and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you are tuning in, and hope that you would be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. Fellowship, so excited to see all of you um, this morning. Um, if you don't know, don't know me, my name is Pastor Dominique Williams. I'm the executive pastor here at Transformation Christian Fellowship. So excited to see all of you in the place this morning. Thank you so much. Y'all look good this morning. Amen. Uh, giving honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and also to my shepherd, um, Pastor Brandon, uh, Senior Pastor Brandon here, Lady Oticia Hill. We love y'all so much. Amen. For those of you who don't know, they are welcome to new baby boy at the beginning of October. Amen. So they're new parents. Amen. So that's not why they're not here um, in the house. Um, and so we just want to um, say how much we love y'all. Uh, we miss y'all terribly. <laughs> Amen. I was hanging out with them yesterday. Um, we miss y'all so much. Um, but we're going strong for y'all. Amen. Going strong for y'all. Amen. Oh, man. So I'm so excited to see y'all in the place today. Um, this morning, we are starting a new message series for the month of November. I'm excited to share with all of you what God has given me. Amen. And um, I just pray that you have um, open ears, open hearts. Amen. To receive what the Lord has for you. Amen. Anybody open? Anybody ready to receive a word from the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. This month, we are going to be diving into a message series called I Got Questions. I got questions. I got questions. Let me tell you a little bit about the origin of this message series. Um, last year, I preached a message entitled Dying to the Pursuit of Answers. And that is one of the most profound messages the Lord has given me. And the origin of that message was the result of research and studies I had done about five years prior to last year. And these studies centered around individuals um, who had made public declarations of their renunciation of the Christian faith. When someone renounces the Christian faith, that's, not, that's no small matter. And so to me, being curious as I am, I wanted to know why. Why so many pastors, why so many worship leaders, why so many Christian influencers who had been apparently in the faith for such a long time, had gone and taught in seminary, had led worship at some of the biggest churches in the world, had written songs about God, had reached to this point where they publicly, excuse me, publicly declared on Facebook and Instagram that I am no longer a part of the body, that I renounce, that I'm no longer part of the Christian church, I'm no longer part of the faith, and I wanted to know why. So I did some research. I listened to interviews and, and, and podcasts. And, and one of the main common factors that I saw in the midst of all of that was the frustration with unanswered questions. Yeah. Questions that these individuals had about God, had about their faith, how questions they had about God in relation to the circumstances that they, had been, that they had been experiencing, questions that they had about God concerning circumstances that they um, had seen gone out into the world, and they wanted to know why. And these questions, for some of them, they didn't get the answers. For some, they received answers, but these were answers that weren't sufficient for them, yeah. answers that discouraged them. Answers that from the perspective of their, of their carnal mind, they could not grasp. And so for years, they, they wrestled and they had all these inward frustrations. And for a lot of them, this is what led to them departing the faith. 
This year, me and Pastor Brandon have had conversations about this very subject because the reality is, is that as long as you're living on this earth, you will suffer. You will go through trial and tribulation. And it's important that we teach you how to wrestle well. All of us have been through trials, tribulations, suffering, disappointment, rejection, abandonment, all these things that at one point or another have caused us to question our faith. And you need to know tonight what I'm coming to do, excuse me, what I'm coming to do this morning and all of November is to usher in freedom and push out condemnation. Yes. I want you to feel free this November to explore the tension. Those places in your faith with your walk of God that have been tense for you, that have been frustrating, that have been difficult to understand. I want to usher in freedom this November because I don't want you to be condemned anymore. I don't, want you, I don't want that condemnation to rest on you, the fact that you're doubting, that you're wrestling with questions, that you're wrestling with. How does God reconcile with these things that I'm, that I'm experiencing? I don't want you to feel the condemnation of that anymore. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I want to usher in freedom. Anybody want to receive freedom this month? Anybody want to receive freedom and deliverance? So this is what I'm coming to do this month. Let your faith rise with Pastor Brandon's 21-Day Faith Declaration Journal, available now on Amazon. Receive inspiring scriptures and journal to grow your faith in God. Purchase it now on Amazon. I do not have a um, base scripture for this first installment, and that's okay. Amen. Please don't leave the church. Amen. I'm not a heretic. All right. I fully plan on using the scriptures, amen, in their context, right? to explain and to support my case for this first installment, amen? So we don't have a base scripture, but we will be touching on many parts of the scriptures to support this, amen? Let's start with the definition of a question. A question is an interrogative statement. That word interrogative, it comes from the word interrogate. Anybody a fan of police procedural shows in the room, Law and Order, CSI? NYPD Blue, Chicago PD. When they bring in suspects and bring them into that room with that window that the other people on the other side can see but they can't see through, the detectives, the federal agents, what are they doing? They're interrogating these witnesses. They're interrogating these suspects. And it's consisting of a systematic set of questions trying to gather information to solve the case. And so that's what a question is, an interrogative statement. Now, questions serve multiple different purposes. One of the main uh, purposes that questions serve is to obtain information. This is similar to the word inquiry, to inquire. One of our reference scriptures this morning um, in 1 Samuel 30, the Bible says that David inquired of the Lord. And what followed that was a question, shall I pursue this band of raiders? When you're making inquiry, when, you're, um, when you have a question, you're seeking one of the primary purposes is that you're seeking information, seeking confirmation. One of the other purposes of asking a question is to test someone's knowledge. Now, I know all of us have been in school at some point, elementary, middle, high school, uh, college, and your teacher, when they ask you questions, it's not like they didn't know the answer. They wanted to test your knowledge of the material that they were teaching. We see a similar instance of this in Genesis 3. 
when um, Eve gives fruit from the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil to her husband, Adam, and he eats of it. And the Bible says that um, their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked and that they heard the sound of God walking in the cool of the garden. And God calls out to Adam and says, Adam, where are you? It's not like God didn't know where Adam was. He wanted to hear from Adam. He wanted a response from Adam. There are also questions called rhetorical questions that we ask when we're not really seeking an answer. You'll see this a lot of times in literary prose as a dramatic effect. Sometimes people ask these questions to express despair and distress. How could this happen? Now, when we ask questions like that, normally we're not really asking how it could happen. It's an expression of the frustration that we're experiencing. But we can also, in that same question, be literally asking, how did this happen? So these are all, this is all the multiple, not all, but many of the many purposes of asking questions, of what a question is. Similarly, the verb to question has um, two respects that I want to look at today. It means the same one, the same thing that we're talking about, to ask a question. And then there's another aspect when we use question as a verb, to doubt. If I were to tell you I question your sincerity, that means I doubt your sincerity. If I were to tell you I question your faithfulness, it means I doubt your faithfulness. These are two regards that we're going to look at our message today because both of them are important when it comes to asking God questions. A lot of the times the questions that we have, we have what, the, what we call in grammar interrogative words. And y'all know what these are, the five W's and the H. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Who is addressing the person? What is more general, but it addresses the nature of the matter. When is addressing timing. Where is addressing the location or the destination. Why, our personal favorite as human beings, is addressing the reason, the purpose. How is addressing the circumstances, how things came to be. So what does this sound like when we ask God questions? God, why did you allow me to experience this? God, why do you allow suffering in the world? God, where were you when I was being attacked? God, where were you when I was being assaulted? God, why didn't you heal my loved one? God, when will restoration come? God, when will I be healed of this sickness? God, who are you to tell me what's right and what's wrong? The list goes on and on and on and on and on. We're seeking answers to these questions. Has anybody ever had one of those questions? You know your personal situations. You know the things that you have gone through. You have asked God why, God when, God where, God how, God who, God what. What is your ultimate purpose in all of this? Why am I going through this? Why would you allow this? Why would you allow this to afflict me? Why would you allow me to experience this betrayal? Why did my daddy leave? Why did my mom abuse me? Why did I go through all of these things? Why? Why is there suffering in the world? Why is there war going on? Why are people getting killed? Why are children getting killed? Why are people, why are you allowing people to go up and shoot buildings and houses? Why? When? Where? How? What? On the inside, questions, wrestling, trying to figure out what is the what, what is the why, when is the when, where is the, what is the how. 
And if you'll be honest, there's tension down up in there, especially when it comes to your personal life. Things that you've experienced that were not of the result of your own doing, and you're trying to figure out God in your sovereignty. How does this work out for my good? God in your sovereignty, how does this all work together for my sanctification? How does this all, you know the pain that I dealt with? Why would you allow me to go through that? What was the purpose in doing that? How could you let that happen? I want y'all to get uncomfortable. I want y'all to feel all the emotions of it. Because far too long, you've been acting like robots. You've allowed that tension to just sit and fester. But because you don't want to come across a certain way to God, you just hold it in. God, I love you. God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy of my praise. God, you're awesome indeed. And while all those things are true, on the inside, there are some certain moments of your life when you don't believe that. Because what you're going through doesn't match characteristics. Seemingly, seemingly not matching to his attributes. And so you're wound up, and you won't go to him because you feel ashamed. You feel condemned that you have these questions, that you're wrestling with these questions. So we talked about questions. Now we have answers. Something that is spoken or written in reply to these questions. One of the, one of the definitions of answers that I love is a solution for a problem. Because oftentimes when we're asking people questions, and particularly when we're asking God questions, we're looking for a solution. Yeah. We're looking for a solution to the problem that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. We're looking for answers. Because the lack of answers is leaving me void, is leaving me empty. And if I could just get an answer, to that one question or to those multiple questions, if I can just get an answer, maybe I'll be whole again. If I get that answer that I've been praying and seeking for, maybe I can believe and trust people again. Maybe if I get that answer, God, maybe I'll be able to trust you again. But you're withholding it. You're withholding my deliverance. You're withholding my healing. You're withholding it from me. So how do you expect me to trust you? When I don't have the answers to these questions. I want to debunk the myth this morning that it's wrong to ask God questions. I want to, like I said, break the condemnation and usher in the freedom. We ask questions generally and most often because we're seeking information in the form of direct answers. We ask people questions whom we believe are able to provide sufficient answers. Oftentimes or not, we're not going to ask somebody a question that we don't believe they have the ability to answer. Oftentimes we're not going to ask people questions that we believe they don't have the sufficient answers to. So how does this tie into God? This ties into the aspect of God, that, excuse me, the attribute of God that we call his omniscience. His 
describes his complete knowledge and understanding of everything. Somebody say everything. 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 You know how crazy the concept of everything is? We don't even have a full understanding of what that is. God knows things, not only the things that you don't know, but things that you didn't even think were possible. He has knowledge and understanding of all things at all times. There's never a moment where he's not aware, where he does not have omniscience. Our understanding of everything is so limited because we're in these carnal minds. We're in these human minds that have limits. But he exists outside of time. Romans 11 says, who has known the mind of God? How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways? Everything for us is this. Everything that we can fit up here. For God, everything is beyond this world. And some more. Somebody say, and some more. <laughs> and some more. Show them 1 John 3.20. One second. First John 3, 20 B. For God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. So if God knows all things and if God is omniscient, which that means he knows all things, and I am seeking information, why would it be wrong for me to ask the God of the universe my questions? Why should I be condemned to ask the God who knows everything, even everything beyond what I can imagine or think? Why would it be wrong for me to ask him questions? Why would it be wrong for me to seek him for information when he knows it all? I don't want you to feel condemned for your questions. Who greater source than there is than God to ask? You go on Google, you might find out a couple things. You may ask Siri, may know a little couple of things. May ask Alexa, a couple of things. Who better to ask questions than the omniscient God? Who better? When we question God, there are two regards that I want to address. There's that questioning God when we're literally asking him questions. And then there's that questioning God when we're doubting him. Remember I talked about how the verb to question, it means to ask questions, and it can also mean to doubt, to challenge. And see, both traditionally in the church have received so much condemnation. You don't have no faith if you're questioning God. You're not a true believer if you got it, questions for God. You're not sanctified, righteous, and Holy Ghost filled if you got questions. How is this even possible when all throughout scripture we see people asking God questions? Read the Psalms, not just David, but all the psalmists in the midst of the destruction and and the trials that they were going through. You see question mark after question mark after question mark after question mark. 
so many instances in the Bible where people ask God questions and God does not condemn them for asking their questions. So where are we getting this idea that as a finite human being, by seeking God for knowledge and information, that is somehow a lack of faith? I don't know everything. I'm not omniscient. Why would I not go to the one who knows it all, who formed me in my mother's womb, who knew me before I was even conceived, who knows my beginning from my end, who is the author and the finisher of my faith? Why would I not ask him? Like I said this morning, breaking out of that condemnation. Some of y'all, some of us have had so many questions, but we've listened to these voices telling us it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. You don't have faith. You're not a true believer. I may have the Holy Ghost inside of me, but I am still a human being. I still have emotions, I still have feelings, and I have a finite mind. I don't know it all. I am not God. I was made in his image and likeness, but I am not omniscient. Far from it. You are far from omniscient. You know what you know, you know what you think you know, but no one is God omniscient. A lot of the times we doubt him with regard to an attribute or a title of his. And we're trying to reconcile these attributes of God with the circumstances that we're experiencing. God, you said in your word you're a healer, but you let my dad die. God, they said that you are faithful, but I just lost my job, and I didn't even do nothing. God, you said in your word, that you are restored, that you restore the years that the locusts have eaten, but I'm still here barren with nothing. When is the restoration coming? Your carnal mind is trying to reconcile these aspects and these attributes of God with the circumstances of your life. The reason why it's so hard, if you would admit, is because we cannot physically see God, but we can see destruction. We can see pain. We can see all those things with our physical eyes. And so we're trying to reconcile attributes of his character and his nature with the very real things that we're seeing and we're experiencing. And it's causing tension. It's causing us to wrestle. Getting deep in that tension. Don't run away from it. You don't understand the healing and the deliverance that's going to come on the other side. Get in the ring. Tell your neighbor, get in the ring. Get in the ring. Get in the ring with God. He has so much to reveal to you that you don't even know. But when you hold on those questions and you let them fester, that's what leads to the bitterness. That's what leads to the hardness of heart. That's what leads to the rebellion. When you let them fester and you don't address it, not just in the human race, but particularly for our community, we let things fester. We don't address them. And we end up passing it down to generations. Oh, don't talk about that. You're not Holy Ghost filled if you're dealing with that. Just keep that under wraps. Let's wipe that under the rug. These serious injustices and pains that we've experienced at the hands of loved ones and friends. 
the real trauma that we've had to experience that we don't talk about. And for the believers who have experienced it, we are like, God, where are you? Where were you in all of this? Show them Jude 22. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Yeah. Have mercy on some who are doubting. Have compassion on some who are doubting. We're so fixated on establishing these levels of faith and trying to attach people to these levels of faith that when people are seriously having trouble reconciling and wrestling with these things, we have no compassion for them as if we have never wrestled before, as if we have never had doubts before. Don't let yourself get to a place in faith where you done grown and you're matured and you see another believer struggling, you see them walking through their stuff and you just look down upon them in condemnation. Remember where you were. Remember where God pulled you out from. Remember how he cleaned you up and dusted off and cleaned off that muck and miry clay. Remember that. It says have mercy on some who are doubting. A lot of the times we doubt not because we want to, but because we're struggling to understand. It is a real struggle. I don't think about doubting God. That's not something I think about intentionally. But sometimes my carnality and me trying to understand these ways and operations of God that are beyond my comprehension, there's a wrestle there. But God knows that. God is not afraid of your questions. God is not offended by your questions. He welcomes them. (laughs) Who in here has ever been in a relationship where you don't ask questions? Platonic, romantic, whatever. Who has ever been in relationship with somebody on this earth and you don't ask them questions? How else are we supposed to develop intimacy? How else are we supposed to get to know each other? How else are we supposed to break past the surface? We're not willing to explore and ask questions. Ask your questions. Get in the ring. Wrestle. I know this is making you uncomfortable. For some people, this sounds like heresy. Get in the ring. Now, remember who your opponent is. Remember who your opponent is, all right? This is God Almighty, all right? (laughs) Almighty God, as Dr. Chanley, excuse me, Dr. Charles Stanley would say. Remember who your opponent is. You're not going to beat him, but you will win if you endure to the end. I know you don't understand that right now. Well, you're saying, I won't beat God, but I'm going to win. Just stay with us. Stay in this month, and I'll show you how you're going to win if you endure to the end. And he will empower you to do that if you have a genuine heart. When we get in the ring and we start bringing God our questions, first thing, we have to be open. Now, that seems kind of antithetical, right? Because when you get in the wrestling ring, you're on the defense, 
I'm not going to leave myself wide open to get smacked and punched. This is why you need to be open. Like I said, you need to remember who your opponent is. You must be open to the answers that he gives in response, irrespective of whether you like them or not. I said you have to be open to the answers that he gives, irrespective of whether you like them or not. You're seeking him for answers, but you can't go in expecting to hear what you want to hear. Because you may not hear what you want to hear. You must also be open to the fact that he may not answer you when you want him to. God exists outside of time. And so you can't go in already with a preconceived date in your head, a date and time. Well, when I go in and ask, when I go in and ask God a question, I'm expecting you to answer at uh, Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. That's not going to work. He answers on his own time. Amen. (laughs) He going to answer when he chooses to answer. So remember that. Here's another thing. He may not answer that direct question at all. Now, all of us are still living. So as long as we're still living, there's time. He may answer it next month, two months, three months. But you may die without answers to certain questions that you have asked. I don't want that to deter your faith. I just want you to be aware of some of these possibilities because too often we go in with our preconceived notions and our preconceived expectations from God. But if you're going to go to the omniscient one who exercises choice when he wants to do things, how he wants to do them, you got to be open to how he moves. You, you got to be open to the fact that he may answer you with a question. This is what we see in the Gospels. The Pharisees would ask Jesus a question, and he would answer back with a question. Now, I know that would irritate them because it's like, yo, I'm asking you a direct question. I want an answer. He'd be like, nope, I'm God in the flesh, so I'm going to ask you a question. Because oftentimes, we ask the wrong questions. Oftentimes, the questions that we're asking really not get into the heart of the matter. And Jesus wants to get to the heart of the matter. Not the superficial front, the masquerade that we put on. He wants to get to the heart of the matter. So sometimes he may ask, answer you with a question. Let me show you some examples in the Bible. Like I said, show them 1 Samuel 30. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Please, please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, said to him, pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. Now, we like answers like that, huh? Because what did he tell David? Pursue. Go, get them jokers who kidnapped your wives, who burned down your cities. And even David, look at the humility of David. He asked God, should he go do it? Just think of yourself. If people came up 
in your house, in your city, in your town, and they burn down your house, and they kidnap your family, how many of us are going to stop and ask God, God, shall I pursue them? Some of y'all, if you be honest, you going after them like, okay, who stole what? I ain't waiting for nobody. They done jacked my home. They done burned down my home. They done stole my family. I'm going after them. And ask questions later. Thank you, Brittany. (laughs) David said, shall I overtake them? And God, in his sovereign wisdom, told him, pursue. Pursue. For you shall, ain't, ain't this great? For you will surely overtake them. Ain't nothing like a yes, but it's something about confirmation. Like he's saying, yeah, go ahead and pursue, but I'm just going to give you the confirmation that you're going to recover all. Those are the type of answers that we like. I live for answers like that from God. God, should I take this job or go with this job? Take job A, for you shall surely make six figures. Amen. Hallelujah. God, should I date homegirl over here, homegirl A, or homegirl B? Nah, you want to go with homegirl A. She's spirit-filled, filled with the Holy Ghost. She knows me. All right. Homegirl A. We love when God says yes. We love when he gives us the answers that we like. But let's explore some answers that we don't like. Show them acts. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. They were asking him, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel right now? You have to understand that at that time, um, the kingdom of Israel was under Roman oppression. This is nothing different than what we've seen in the history of our world in various countries, colonialism. What we're seeing right now in the war between Ukraine and Russia, countries being oppressed by other countries. And in Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would come to establish a new government, that the government will rest upon his shoulders, that the Messianic ruler will rule and get justice. And so they're looking at Jesus saying, Jesus, are you going to free us now? Are you going to do it right now? It's like having the answer and the solution to the problem right in front of you. You're asking, will you do what you came to do now? Will you set us free? Will you free us from Roman oppression? Will you do it now? Is Is this the time? And Jesus told them, it's not for you to know. How many times have you asked someone a question or even asked God a question and he told you, you don't need to know? What do you mean I don't need to know? I need this answer because if I don't get this answer, I'm going to be bugging out. I'm going to be stressed. I need this for my healing. I need this for my deliverance. What are you, who are you to tell me I don't need to know? Jesus told them it's not for you to know times or epochs, which means seasons, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. One of my favorite scriptures, Deuteronomy 29, 29, says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God. We don't like to hear answers like this because we feel like God is withholding for some other reason. God, why would you withhold information like this? 
What do you mean I don't need to know? Show them Habakkuk. This is the prophet Habakkuk in his book, Talking to the Lord. How long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you violence, yet you do not save. Verse 3. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Look among the nations. God observe. Be astonished. Excuse me. This is God talking. This is God talking in response to Habakkuk. Look among the nations, Habakkuk. Observe. Be astonished. Wonder. Because I'm doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. Habakkuk was crying out because the people of his own nation, Judah, were causing injustice and violence to rise up against his own people. His brother and his family were being killed, being imprisoned due to the violence, due to the wickedness. And he's like, God, what are you going to do? What are you doing? How long are you going to look upon this and not do anything? Has anyone ever asked God that question? God, my family members being accused for a crime they didn't commit. They're going to send them to jail for life. Where's the justice, Lord? God, I have a loved one who was unjustly murdered. Where's the justice? They're not doing enough in that system. They're not doing nothing about it. God, what are you going to do? God, there's violence in our communities, killing our children, making me fearful to even send my child to school. God, observe the wickedness. And yet you do nothing, yet you do not save. These are real accounts of real situations that people in the Bible experience that we're still going through today. But God told Habakkuk, behold and observe what I'm doing in your midst. I'm raising up an enemy nation to execute judgment against your people. And Habakkuk doesn't particularly like this answer. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them, the Chaldeans, to judge. And you, O Rock, have established them to correct. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Habakkuk is questioning, God, why are you using an even more nation to swallow us up? Can't you just take them out? Why don't you just get rid of them? Why are you using an even more evil nation to execute this? Has anyone ever been there questioning God's ways? Why are you doing this? He started off with one question. God, why don't you save? Why aren't you doing anything? And then God tells him what he's going to do. And he's still not satisfied with, with God, what God tells him that he's going to do. Consistent unsatisfaction with these answers. Show them 2 Corinthians. Hello, I'm Vernon Hill Sr., teaching pastor here at TCF. Hello, my name is Aretha Hill. I am the director of Glory Girls. Thank you for watching us today. If you're in need of a church community and you feel the Lord leading you to connect to this ministry, become more than a member. Be a partner. When you partner with TCF, you become an agent of change, assisting the vision and the mission of the church to connect lives of the transforming power and love of Jesus Christ. 
We would love to partner in community and do life with you. So come to TCF. We look forward to seeing you. And remember, transformation starts here. This is the Apostle Paul. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Now, this is a scripture that is um, very well known across the body of Christ because of the promise that Jesus gives to Paul in response to um, his pleas for Jesus to remove this thorn. And while this promise is great, I want you to realize something. God essentially told Paul no. When he asked him to remove the thorn, when he implored three times, God, please remove this thorn, please remove this thorn, please remove this thorn. Although God gave him a promise, he said, my grace is sufficient. But what he essentially told him was, no, I'm not going to remove it. I'm going to give you my grace to endure and to overcome. But watch this. If you'll be honest, when you think about that thorn in your side, that source of affliction, Paul says that this affliction, God allowed Satan to afflict him. Just how he allowed Satan to afflict Job. He's saying, God, just remove it. You have the power. You have sufficient power within yourself. Just remove it. When he gives you grace, you still have to endure. And sometimes we don't want to endure. We just want relief. Sometimes we just want the affliction to be removed. Though his grace strengthens and empowers and empowers us to overcome, we still have to face it. Has anybody been in a place where sometimes, I know I've said it, I was in prayer just a couple months ago, that thing was buffeting me. And I said, Lord, I know you said your grace is sufficient, but tomorrow, excuse me, this morning, I don't want your grace. I want relief. I just want you to remove it. God gives him a promise, a powerful promise, but he still tells him no. I've shown you in scripture examples of people who have asked questions and they've gotten good answers, answers that agree with them. But I intentionally showed you one answer of an answer that we would like versus three that we don't like. Because oftentimes or not, God is going to give you an answer that you don't particularly like. That you're going to have to wrestle, to believe, to understand, to grasp, to walk in. This is the struggle. This is the tension of answers that we don't like. Some of us, God has answered our question. We just didn't like the answer. Sometimes we have sought him in prayer and study, and God has spoken, but what he spoke did not agree with my spirit. 
It's like, God, I know you're able to do X, Y, Z, but in response to this specific question, you told me no. Why? You told me to endure. I don't want to endure. You told me to wait. I don't want to wait. He says, he says that my grace is sufficient even when you don't want it. Even when you don't want to endure, even when you don't want to go day after day, moment after moment, even when you don't want to, even when you want me to remove it, I want you to see that my grace is sufficient. How will you learn the sufficiency of it if I remove it? It's not to say that I'm not able to remove it. But for sanctification, for the process of sanctification, How can we truly be sanctified if he removes everything? Psalm 34 says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver us out of them all. How does he deliver us from afflictions if he doesn't allow us to be afflicted? How do we come to know him in all of these regards if he does not allow the suffering? If he does not allow the pain, I know you don't want to hear that, but oftentimes, not oftentimes, the the word says that he will use it all. And on the days when it's hard to believe that, the truth remains the same. But it's it's these truths that will help you wrestle. It's these responses, these answers that you don't even like, that they didn't even like that they weren't expecting, that they didn't want. It's these answers that will serve as weapons in the fight out here. These are the answers and the tools that we'll need that God will give us when we go to him and wrestle with these questions. The last thing I want to share is talking about the right motives. This will lead us into our message for next week. When we ask God a question, we must ask ourselves whether we're asking with a sincere desire to learn of and receive from him or whether we're asking with an intent to find fault with him. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we ask questions, God knows the heart behind that question. He knows the heart behind that inquiry. He knows when you're really, really trying to understand what's going on, when you're trying to make sense, when you're trying to reconcile these things. He knows that you genuinely want to understand, but he also knows when you're trying to accuse him of not being true to his word. He knows when you're trying to find fault with his ways and with his attributes. He knows the inward motivations behind these questions. And let me tell you something. You can't go in, excuse me, let me say this. You may go in with a hardened heart, but you got to let down the guard. Because if you stay hardened, you can't receive. If you stay hardened and bitter, you can't receive. What you think you know about him you got to lay that to the side, lay that to the side and allow him to teach you some new levels about him. Yeah. Yeah. He is unsearchable. 
What we know about him can be good and sufficient for a season. But there is so much depth to God that we haven't even explored. And so you got to allow the master wrestler. You got to allow the master teacher. When you go in there, you got to allow him to teach you some things about him that you didn't even know. Things that are going to be crucial to your walk, crucial to your understanding, crucial to your sanctification, crucial to the development of your faith. But it starts with the right motives. Stand to your feet this morning. This message is just the first installment because we're on a journey. My goal today, my assignment was to lay the foundation. So as we go from Sunday to Sunday, and I'll be repeating them so that you can hold on to these truths. This is a message series for November, but trust me, these are things you're going to need for life. And can I remind you that nothing is wasted? I've had to go on my own journey with questions that I've had for God about my circumstances, about my afflictions, about my thorns, about my struggles. And it wasn't until that condemnation broke off of me that I was able to find freedom. And freedom is not getting all of your questions answered. You want to know why? Because I still don't have the answers to all the questions that I have but I am liberated today because God has broken the condemnation off on me to seek him I have found strength renewed perspective increased faith in this wrestle and that's what I want for us that's what I want for us as a body you're going to need it Especially as these days grow dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, you're going to know. You're going to need to know how to not let those things fester, but to take them to the Lord and allow him to show you what he needs to show you, not what you think you need. If you are in the place today, online or in person, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to step into relationship. God loved you so much that he sent his son into the world to reconcile God and man together in relationship. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to commune with you. And he sent his son to die so that we could possess that. I'm not here to tell you that once you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, that everything is going to be dandy and perfect because that's a lie. What I will tell you is this, is that you have an anchor, an advocate, a helper, an encourager, an empower. I can go on and on, but you have all of these things because we will suffer. Unbelievers suffer, but we suffer not without hope. We suffer not without an advocate. We suffer not without a helper. I don't want to suffer in this world without help. Jesus wants you. God wants you. He sent his son to die for it. That's how badly he wants you. He gave up his only begotten son 
so that you would come into relation with him. If you don't know Jesus, I encourage you to text that number on the screen. Text, uh, excuse me, text transform to 94000. We would love to show you the steps to salvation. You must receive it by faith. It is not earned or attained by works. You must receive by faith. You must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord genuinely and believe that God raised him from the dead. If you're saying, Pastor Dom, I know Jesus. I have a relationship with him, but I've strayed away from our relationship. I've allowed circumstances and situations to discourage me. And it's affected my devotion. I feel like I'm so far away. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to do a whole bunch of things to get back. Just lift your hands. You don't even have to lift your hands. Just lift your voice. Say, Father, I want to come back. It's been too long since I've been away from you. I've done stepped out, tried to do it on my own, and I realized it's not working. And he will receive you back. And last but not least, you know that you don't have a church home, a place where you can commune with like-minded believers and receive fellowship and encouragement to continue to walk and be rooted. We're open here. We have arms wide open. We would love to get to know you and connect with you. Amen. We're all on a journey together to learn, to learn each other, to learn our dislikes and dislikes, to learn our strengths and weaknesses so that we can come together to encourage each other to walk as Christ has called us to walk. If that's you, text that same number and let us know. We would love to connect with you. All hearts and minds clear. Come on, give it up for Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you would subscribe so you can continue to be empowered by the latest message. For more information about Transformation Christian Fellowship or Pastor Brandon Hill, visit our website, transformationchristianfellowship.org, or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to the number 94000 or visit our website. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.